Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Good morning, Jundo. What's up? Power to the people. Okay. These days, it, that kind of means my people, you know. Ah. Power to yes. my people, not your yes. people. But yeah. power to the people. Power to the people. The mm. people. The yeah. people that I want to give power to. Right. Not the other people. You don't want to share the power. You want no. to give the power to your team. Right. Because my people, they're the righteous people, not your people. So why is this crossing your mind today? Well, uh, you know, sometimes I get uh, comments, I, I express opinions. Uh, it could be opinions on uh, all kinds of things. Sometimes small opinions, my favorite flowers. Sometimes political opinions. Uh, there are actually places on the internet where I uh, express political opinions. And uh, people say, wait a second, you're not allowed to do that. You're a Zen guy. Zen people are supposed to be beyond all opinions, with complete equanimity and peace. You're, you see beyond all this. You don't have opinions. And I say, no, this is true. This is true. As I always say here, Kurt, we always in Zen see things from two sides of a no-sided point. So one can be equanimous and beyond all opinions, yet power to the people. There's, there's an injustice to right, my friend. Get up there and fight for it, uh, nonviolently. Do you remember that cartoon from The New Yorker that circulated for years? Some guy is sitting in front of his computer. I think his wife is saying, come to bed, dear. No, there's something wrong on the internet. I have to fix it. Oh, boy. Yeah, the internet is, you know, in the old days, there, there were things to fight for and people were upset about things. But by the time it got to you on the telegraph and the, the town newspaper delivered on a horse, the problem was almost like resolved. These, these problems just keep coming at us every day and people are irate and one thing after another to, to fight for and get angry about. That's one of the, the problems today. We have to, I think, it's okay to have opinions and it's okay to fight for justice. And again, I say nonviolently. We're going to talk about that yes. later. But uh, keep it in moderation. Don't fight for silly things and don't go to extremes. That's Buddhism 101. And accept that sometimes you may be wrong, such as your favorite ice cream flavor, which is just objectively wrong. Speak for yourself. Okay. No, uh, we all could be wrong. And, 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 you know, this is, uh, I don't know if this is true or just a, a kind of meme uh, that supposedly is scientifically researched, but they say that the difference between liberals and conservatives is that liberals tend to say, this is my opinion, but you may be wrong. And conservatives tend to say, no, I'm, I'm right, and you're just wrong. But I don't believe that. I think we've gone beyond that these days. And if you look at the media, we just have uh, people on all sides screaming at each other, I'm right, you're wrong, instead of what it should be, which is, this is my opinion, and this is why I believe so. Here's the evidence, but I may be wrong. You could be right. Okay, this isn't a political podcast. But you did raise the liberal conservative thing, and I just want to toss out a comment 
there's a linguist named George Lakoff. His early work was about metaphors, and he then started exploring politics and how people think about politics. And he wrote a book called Moral Politics, How Liberals and Conservatives Think in 1996. And just from the introduction on Wikipedia, it says that he argues that conservatives and liberals hold two different conceptual models of morality. Conservatives have a strict father model in which people are made good through self-discipline and hard work. Everyone is taken care of by taking care of themselves. Liberals have a nutrient parent model in which everyone is taken care of by helping each other. And that could be why that liberals are more willing to listen to arguments and perhaps change their mind, whereas conservatives aren't. They're strict. They say rules are rules and this is the way it is. No, you're just wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that sounds reasonable to me. And I, 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 I think uh, it's important to underline here that uh, Western Buddhists, who I, we referred to as the upper middle way, you know, the, the people who drive their BMWs with their lattes to the Zazen group and then sit there and contemplate non-materialism, <laughs> often forget that not everyone in Buddhism has to be liberal. No. Now, I, I again, I, I, this is not about, I, I don't want to express my political views as much as talk about political views in general. It's important to remember that, you know, in Asia, Buddhism is generally very conservative. It's the church. It supports the state. It supports traditional values. It is against women's rights. It tends to be, uh, uh, you know, generally against change. Uh, gay marriage would not even be on the on the radar for centuries. Yeah. Now, again, there are exceptions, even in Asia. And you have people on the left. You have far left. You have, you know, anarchist and and really far left communist Buddhists. But the vast majority pretty conservative there in Asia. When it came to the West, uh, Buddhism tended to get associated with liberalism. Perhaps because conservatives would be less likely to renounce their faith, since many conservatives are church-going Christians, or at least nominally Christian, they might find it more difficult to accept a different faith. Even even we're using the term faith there in, in a bit of a wiggly sense, right? But they would be less likely to want to do something that goes against their faith. Well, one of the uh, supposed—I got this out of a—on uh, the internet, you know, uh, it was a meme, so I— So have, it must be right. It, I, I have no guarantee this is true. Is that conservatives are more hesitant with the exotic and foreign, and they like the, the what they're used to, the homegrown, the traditional— the close at hand. And uh, that would be maybe why people more interested in Asian religions and uh, the uh, not usual ways of thinking of, of Zen and Buddhism would be more open to liberal politics. Perhaps, perhaps. I, I, I would. But I know many conservative Buddhists even here in, in, the, uh, in the West. So there are exceptions. I like how you say even here in the West while you're in Japan. Well, yes. You know, Japan is a country that also, also has a, an identity crisis because it's yeah. it's Asia, but somehow it considers itself westernized modern uh, Asia. Uh, but it's very, Buddhism here is very conservative, generally. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the Catholic Church of, uh, of uh, Asia. Well, as we've discussed many times, most Asian Buddhists don't do zazen. Right. They don't meditate. They 
pray, they give offerings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a different concept of what Zen is. And that's how, we've talked about this in the past. I'll link to a, a, an episode where we talked about Buddhisms with an S, the different way Buddhism has taken root in different countries. But it is true that in America, this was something exotic and very different when it came starting in the 50s. And the people who were interested in it were interested in exotic and different. I may have mentioned a book a biography of John Cage called Where the Heart Beats by Kay Larson. And she talks about how he attended these lectures by D.T. Suzuki in the 1950s. And all of the avant-garde people who were there, artists, musicians, writers, etc., these weren't advertising men. These weren't accountants. These were the fringe people. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, what you're saying is exactly right. And the, the old grandma who goes to church here to light a candle to Mary or to just be at the Sunday school on Sunday. And the, the old grandma in, in Tokyo or, or Beijing or Bangkok who goes to the temple to light some incense and, and bow down to the side, it's the same grandma, I'm telling you. I'm sorry. But let's get to our subject today, which is... Yes, because you wanted to talk about dissent. Dissent! You're angry. Well, no. You see, this is the thing. If you're going to be a Buddhist, there's a difference between seeing an injustice or something wrong and speaking up. And number one, don't be violent about it. There, there may actually be times to use some violence in defense of others. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying don't just be violent to make a point and to fight uh, for some political cause if it's not in de- you know real defense of others. I, you, you can see where that gets a- ambiguous right away. Because someone will say, yeah, br- blowing up that bridge was in defense of the proletariat. So you're, what about that, Jundo? Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm not going there right now. I think it's better to consider that the aggressive tone and the violence that we see on social media, exactly. um, where people argue about politics, is something that we do need to avoid. Stay civil. Yes. But state your opinion strongly. Mm-hmm. Master Dogen who is also like everyone's grandmother, he was the founder of, of Soto Zen in Japan, gave a couple of pieces of advice that my grandmother would tell me. First, he said, before you speak, think thrice. That means three times. But then if you need to speak, speak what you have to say, but do it in a way that you will not shut other people's ears and keep their ears open. Now, that's the hard part to do these days. Right. That's the hard part. And I can give you an example from this week in my life. Well, tell us about it. Okay, well, you told me not to get out my soapbox about this, but I got to get at least on my cheese box, a little box. Well, no, I, I, I said don't spend the entire episode talking about this, but I think what you're about to raise is a very important issue. Okay, I am, was a member of an organization of Soto Zen priests that represents not all Soto Zen priests in the English-speaking world, but a lot of them, and they tend to be from the conservative, bigger temples, some of them from small group, but they're people who were trained face-to-face. They go to a monastery for a while, and they really believe in that way of training. And so do I. I think that training is wonderful for those people. But I said there are disabled people who cannot do that, who would be excellent priests. You need to waive the requirement and find alternative ways of training for those folks. You do your training the way you want and the way that is good for you. But if you see someone who 
physically is unable to do that. They could be priests in other ways. We have, you know this story, we have a fellow who has cancer in our sangha who needs to do the ceremony from bed sometimes. That's what he does. He cannot get out of the house. He cannot get places where his life could be in danger, but he's an excellent priest. Uh, for that reason. And we have other people with chronic illnesses who have serious limitations as well. Right, right. When I said this to them, I said, you're discriminating. I said, you're not doing it. You're nice people. You're discriminating. Cancel culture. They turned my microphone off. Okay. Now. Oh, is that why you have problems with your microphone before the podcast? No, it's not the same. That's because of my incompetence turning on the microphone. No, this was... Okay, this was was a a metaphorical turned your microphone off. They did not want to hear me use the word about them, you are discriminating, and they literally removed my ability to express an opinion inside the group. Remind us what this group was again? The Soto Zen Buddhist Association of the USS, no, of the USA. (laughs) Right, so this was an American organization, this was a Japanese organization or an international organization. Okay. The Japanese have the same trouble. You can't become a priest unless you go a certain route, which is very hard on the disabled. Right. So I did the thing. I said, you know, you're not going to quiet me down by turning me off. I went outside. Oh, you don't do that. I went on this thing. Have you heard of this thing called Facebook? Facebook. Yeah, I have, actually. It's going to be very popular. I went to a couple of Buddhist groups, and I wrote something called Blowing the Whistle on the SCBA, in which I said, these are very nice people. They don't mean it. But they're discriminating, and they always talk about how they're liberal and they're not discriminating, they're very woke, but they're doing it now, okay? And they have to realize that. They need to waive this rule on face-to-face training for some people. Well, then I got a note that without a trial, without any hearing, I am guilty of, I wish I had the quote here, guilty of not uh, dishonoring the organization, something like that. Mm. And at that point, I knew my goose was cooked and I resigned. But I'm not going to keep give up the fight for this. And when I say fight, nonviolent, disabled people, people with health conditions and have, who have faced certain hardships and obstacles in life can be wonderful priests. They need to be let into that organization. They need to be recognized as excellent priests. There, I'm off my soapbox. Okay. So Tree Leaf is almost 15 years old. And for years and years, people would criticize the way you worked with Tree Leaf being technically a virtual sangha where everything happens right. remotely over the internet. And then all of a sudden, we had this pandemic and all these other Zen groups and other Buddhist groups were starting to do things over the internet. Yeah. It's almost as if you had a good idea and no one wanted to say to you you had a good idea because when they all had to do it, they didn't want to admit that they were wrong in criticizing you. Isn't that the way it always is? And it's happening again, because I'm telling you, I'm trying to organize this within our Sangha. I want to give an opportunity to create wonderful Soto Zen priests who, in some cases, will never be able to do the traditional training route. I want to help people facing life obstacles, especially health and disability obstacles, to have an opportunity to be trained. I'm trying to I want to have a part of Tree Leaf that I'm calling the Monastery of Open Doors that will have non-residential training for some people who have their heart and dedication and and sincerity all right in the right place, but never could do it the traditional way. They are excellent priests. I got one fellow in our sangha, cannot leave his apartment very often, and when he does, he has to be in a wheelchair. He is 
making audio files of Shobogenzo. He works with people personally. He works with other disabled people. He is a wonderful, wonderful priest. And I'm going to announce it here for the first time. Uh, he's uh, going to get Dharma transmission from me very, very soon because he's got all the right stuff. Indeed. He's got it. His heart's in it. He's an excellent. He cannot get recognized because he's barely left his apartment. Yeah. In years. He cannot. Now, what do I do? Do I, is he, uh, do I admit that he, no, he's not real because he's never been to a monastery. Mm. No, I'm not going to do it. He's real as real can be. So what I'm thinking is that there is this desire for purity on the side of the SCBA that they've always done it this way and they have to do it this way. And you've mentioned before that in different temples, they ring the bell this way or they burn the incense that way. And is it an over obsession with maintaining, I don't know. Purity. Well, purity, but but not diverging from that straight line. Yes. And yet, isn't Zen about diverging from straight lines from beginning to end? Well, no. <laughs> That's a misnomer, too. Because Zen, as we said, is actually very conservative. Zen was always about following the rules and finding freedom at the same time. It was not about just doing whatever the heck you wanted. It, that was a, a misunderstanding of the old beatniks and hippies back then. Zen's about doing what you want, man. You want to burn down the town, burn it down. You want to have sex right and left, have sex. Yeah, do all the drugs you want. That's Zen, man. No, it was never like that. It's actually very much about self-control, and it's about balance and moderation in life, and following the good rules. Notice I don't say the unjust rules. Following the rules, okay? So when you would have freedom, you would have freedom within a good and decent rule-following life where you did not steal, you did not kill, you did not abuse substances. It's actually kind of a, as you'd say in the, my old punk rock days, straight edge quite, quite a bit. But let me talk about the SCBA again, because where you draw the line is a little bit just to the left of where you are. And this is a kind of hypocrisy. You see, modern Zen priests started getting married about 140 years ago, which is great. And then they came to the West, and we let women in. Oh, boy, that was never... None of this was done in traditional Buddhism. This is earth-shaking. And then, you know, they started having kids, which, you know, means... Do you know that means sex? Yeah. You know, not just getting married, but having sex. And the growing some people growing their hair and having jobs and living in the West, basically middle-class middle, middle class lives. So they're basically more like ministers, Protestant ministers, for the most part. There are exceptions, but Protestant ministers. So they're having sex and families. And so I come along and go, okay, but we got to tone down the monasteries for a few disabled people. No, you are bending tradition here. You are, you're, it's just, you know, you are not as orthodox as, as I am. Yeah. What is the, the saying? The, uh, you, you know, holier than, than Buddha, holier than the Tao. Yes. Do a lot of these uh, Zen organizations in the U.S. allow people who are handicapped to practice even? Because some of them are very strict about sitting on a cushion. If you can't sit on a cushion and have to be in a wheelchair, do they let you in? No, I don't want to say overstate what the problem at the SCBA, because let me say this. Almost every Zen teacher today will say, oh, if you come in a wheelchair or you can't sit, you lie down, you sit, you do what you, you wish. Okay. And the SCBA has many people with disabilities. The problem is that these priests with di disabilities are overwhelmingly, I don't think there's an exception, people who could do it, 
They said, I went in my wheelchair and I went to the monastery because they have ramps. And I said, that's great. You got to the monastery in your wheelchair, but there are people out there who cannot do even that. So, you know, these people don't mean to be mean, (laughs) but they're... That's what's happening, and uh, they don't listen. It's their desire for purity that means that they're inflexible. So everybody listen to this broadcast. If there is something, a cause you believe in, just because you're a Zen person, when you come to the Zen group, put down your opinion. Put down the fight while you're sitting Zazen. When you're sitting Zazen, there is no me and you. There is no right and wrong during Zazen. There is nothing to achieve, nothing in society to fix. While you are sitting Zazen, underline. But when the Zazen is go over and you go to the door of the Zendo, you may pick up your political and other social opinions again, and you may work for change. Whatever you see as the change that is needed. Of course, do it gently, nonviolently, but f- man, fight the power. It's not uncommon to have what we call engaged Buddhists in the U.S., so these are people who are working for change, who are very vocal about change. So how can they rationalize that on the one hand and that purity of the way they think about Buddhism on the other hand? Well, first off, let, let's uh, take a, a moment to remember the great Thich Nhat Hanh, who died uh, just about two weeks ago, one of the great... Yes. Uh, he was a political activist, even though he was mostly for peace and, and justice. Uh, but uh, he he coined the term uh, uh, engaged Buddhism. Yeah. So let's remember him. But it's a, more a case that people think they're liberal when you're not challenging them. The SCBA, I mentioned, is very much conscious of their image of being woke. They, they, they have speakers about Black Lives Matter, and we have to deal with getting more minority groups and uh, different language groups into the, the, the Zendo. That's great. But when you turn around and you go, but listen, guys, you're missing something and you're doing something. This is when, boy, uh, you get the same reaction if, that uh, you get from, well, they're just human beings like all of us, right? And I'm sure if uh, nobody wants to hear that they're doing something bad. So what do you do if you're a Zen person who really believes in something, really sees a cause, a wrong that needs to be righted? You could be, you're concerned about the environment, you're concerned about your your uh, health care, you're concerned about ending a war, whatever it is, what do you do? Well, go work for it. Get off your, don't just sit around sitting on Zen all the time. Get up, speak out gently, but firmly in civil tones, like I'm trying to do now, but speak your peace. Peacefully speak your peace. Make change. I guess the discrepancy is that people see Zen as passive because we just sit around. But we're only passive when we're doing zazen. Once we get off the cushion, then we have to be as just as engaged and vocal as anyone else. It's actually the opposite. It's the people who are so engaged and arguing and fighting who need zazen. Because people in this world today know how to shout. They know how to fight. They know how to say me or you. They know how to say what's wrong. They do not know what we know, which is to sit for a time and put down the right and wrong, the me and you, the my candidate versus your candidate, the anything to fix for a time. Put it down. And then a strange things happen. This is, you know, I you've heard me say this so much because this is the lesson I want this podcast to convey to folks. When you get up again to fight for the right, remember there's also this aspect of this universe that is somehow never wrong. 
even as we try to fix what needs to be fixed, know that there's something that doesn't need to be fixed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.